Well, happy Father's Day to all of our dads in this room, and uh, maybe you're not a literal dad, but you have significance and, and you have impact in the people that are around you. We love you, we appreciate you, and I know we live in a society that increasingly uh, doesn't see dads as important and uh, is dishonoring the dads. Listen, we honor our dads. We love you and we appreciate you, so can we give our dads a, just a great big <laughs> applause? Once you know, we're not beating you up this morning, dads, okay? So you can just sit back and relax. This isn't a sermon telling you all the things you're doing wrong. We love you, and we do appreciate you. I'm going to ask real quickly, if you're in the room, if you would grab a connection card out of the pocket of the chair in front of you. And um, it, obviously, you can't do this if you're watching online. If you're watching online, we encourage you to go to our app. And right there in the home screen of our app is a place that says connection card. You can fill out a, a virtual digital connection card online. Those of you in this room, if you've never filled out one of these cards before, we would love to have you share your information. We have a, something that we want to send you in the mail this week if you give us your address. So at the end of the service, when you're walking out the doors, there'll be people at the back doors with buckets uh, to collect those connection cards as you're leaving this morning. Well, at Journey Church, we've been in a series called Messy Church. And uh, quite literally, as you walked in, there's messes pretty much in any part of our church. But here's the, the truth of the matter is that when two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he promises that he is there by his spirit and through his spirit. But you can also count on some messes being there because we're people and we're messy. And so when you turn to the person next to you and say, you are messy. You are messy. Life is messy, right? It's not just that we are messy, but life is messy. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about how today we're going to talk about, in fact, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 12, and I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to Acts chapter 12. But you know what? In life, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Have any of you ever experienced that before, seen that, seen someone who, I mean, I'm talking about someone who loves Jesus. They've asked Jesus to come into their life. They've asked him to forgive them of their sins and lead them. They're living a life of integrity. They're reading the word and they're trying their best as the spirit empowers them to follow the word and to obey the word. And then you bump into something messy. And, and chains can have all kinds of shapes and forms, can't they? Chains can be, you know, your life is just zooming along and your supervisor or your boss at work says something and they start criticizing you and, and everything was great until all of a sudden it seems like you can't do anything right and all of a sudden you're, you're wearing these chains, right? Maybe, maybe it's a, a doctor's report and someone that you love dearly has just received a report that they have cancer. Or maybe for you it's just a financial devastation. Or I mean, it could be all kinds of things, right? A relationship that seemed like it was trucking along and it goes sour and, and, and you're doing everything that's right, but now all of a sudden you're wearing these chains. And you go, God, why are you doing this? Why, how, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And I know none of you in this service have probably ever experienced that, probably just the, the people in the first service or the people watching online, but this can be hard to grapple with. And sometimes we look up and we just go, God, where are you? Don't you care? Don't you love me? Don't you know what I'm going through? And what I love about the word of, the God, word of God is, is the Bible just tells us how it is. 
The Bible doesn't paint a picture of Christianity where you become a follower of Jesus and everything now is cupcakes and unicorns. The Bible says, hey, this is how things are and and how do we go through these things? And so in Acts chapter 12, we're gonna see a picture of the church that has just emerged, Jesus has died and risen from the dead and ascended. And now you have this group of disciples and and now this group of even uh, several thousand followers of Jesus that that are, are, they're just trying to, they're just trying to continue the mission of Jesus. Jesus, and they bump into things that just are honestly messy. So here we go in Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it says, after that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. Let's just pause right there. King Herod Agrippa. Maybe King Herod sounds familiar. There's a whole line of Herods, right? King Herod Agrippa, his grandfather was Herod the Great, which if you've been around church at Christmas time, you've heard all kinds of stories about Herod the Great. Herod the Great was a guy that when Jesus was born, heard news that a king of the Jews had been born, found out that, that prophetically this was supposed to happen in Bethlehem. And King Herod the Great actually had all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas slaughtered. That was, that was King Herod Agrippa's grandfather. King Herod Agrippa's uncle was a guy named Herod Antipas. Just his name sounds, he was a loser, right? I mean, just Herod Antipas with a lisp, it makes it even funner, right? <laughs> King Herod Antipas, he's a guy who, if you, if you grew up and go into Sunday school, VBS, you, you heard the story of John the Baptizer, and John the Baptizer had his head chopped off by Herod. That was Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the guy that Jesus, when he was arrested, and he was put on this quick trial, and they took him to Pontius Pilate, and then they took him to a Herod. He was taken to Herod Antipas, and then he was taken back to Pontius Pilate. And now we have King Herod Agrippa. And King Herod Agrippa has found out that if he persecutes this kind of motley crew, this, you know, at this point, Christianity is, is very little. It's just a small fragment of the Roman Empire. Just this kind of cult group that has emerged out of the Jews. And so he has found that if he persecutes these Christians, these followers of the way, these followers of Jesus, that his poll numbers go up. It's good politics for Herod Agrippa to persecute the church. And so he starts a wave of persecution. The next verse says, he had the apostle James killed with a sword. James, if you're trying to figure out who James is, James is, if you grew up going to VBS, you remember the song, Peter, James, and John in the sailboat? You remember that one? Anybody remember that one? This is James. That James that was in the sailboat. This is James who was one of the closest followers of Jesus. You know, he had the 12 disciples, but then he had this inner core. This is James. And in one verse, this is all we get, just this one verse, James is killed by the sword, by the hand of King Herod Agrippa. Can I tell you? This would not be a fun time to be a Christian. And I got to imagine, you know, sometimes we read this and we, get, we, we just kind of read ahead and we don't really put ourselves in their shoes. Think of how the church felt at this time. The church is in a building. The church is the people of God. How are the people of God feeling in this moment? What are you experiencing? You're experiencing fear. You're experiencing anger. You're experiencing loss. You're experiencing grief. You're experiencing questions, right? Because they're real people. Like, come on, God. James is doing your will. James is living the life. He's preaching the gospel. And, and now he's dead, like, just like that? Can you imagine the fear that swept over these people? The chains? You know, sometimes chains are, sometimes chains are just simple things like fear. 
insecurity. The next verse, verse 3 says, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And this took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. This is a horrible day for the church. This is a horrible day for Peter, right? And Peter, listen, Peter, Peter had been arrested before, but it was different before because in the past, he had always been arrested by the temple. He had always been arrested by the religious Jewish leaders. But now, this is the Roman Empire. This is Herod himself who has had Peter arrested. And when it says that he's going to face trial the next day, this isn't a trial like we have in Western culture. You know, in the United States of America, we're so blessed with our constitution. And it gives us rights and there's a due process. And so sometimes trials can take a long time, y'all, right? Back then, no, trials were quick and the penalties were swift and executions came suddenly, right? And so when Peter has been arrested and he knows that he's going to be put on trial, he knows that it is, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he could be executed the following day. I mean, we saw that with Jesus, right? Jesus had a very quick trial, and within hours, Jesus was crucified. He was killed. So here's Peter. How, how, does, how does he process this? What do you do when life is messy? How do you react when you're doing everything right? You're living a life of integrity. You're being good. And the bottom falls out. Like, how do you react? I would submit to you that we've got to stay in what God has for us. And there's three things that I believe God has for us. And I think we're going to see this in this passage of Scripture that we're reading. First of all, I would encourage you, stay in God's presence. Stay in God's presence. When everything around you is falling apart, man, there is a temptation to run from God. There is a temptation to just say, peace out. I'm done. Like, I thought this was going to be different. I thought that by following you, you were going to make my life better. And it feels like by following you, life is getting worse. Can I challenge you? Can I encourage you? Stay in God's presence. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. The enemy of your soul. Jesus says he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to destroy your intimacy with God. He wants to cause you to walk away from God. Man, stay in God's presence. Don't stop praying. Here's the very next verse. Verse 5 says, while Peter was in prison, the church did what? The church did what? They prayed, and look at this, they prayed how? They prayed very earnestly for him. This isn't some limp-wristed pansy prayer. This isn't some little, you know, just a couple sentence prayer and now pass the mashed potatoes. No, this was a church that was praying earnestly. Some of your translations will use, instead of the word earnest, they use the words fervent or constant or strenuous. The Greek word literally is a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. This is the kind of prayer that the church is praying. Remember, the church isn't a building. The church is a group of people that are earnestly, strenuously, constantly, fervently praying for Peter right now. And can I tell you, when the bottom is falling out, don't stop praying. Stay in God's presence. Fight to stay in God's presence. Sometimes what that means is, is calling others. Peter, Peter had the luxury of having some friends 
who knew him and loved him and were willing to pray for him. Sometimes when I'm in the middle of it, I don't know how to pray for myself. So I got to text some people and say, would you just pray for me right now? I can't even, I don't even know how to tell you what's going on. Would you just, would you just pray for me right now? The early church didn't have much going for them. They didn't have a seat at the table of politics. They didn't have influence. They didn't have money. They didn't have buildings. But you know what they had? They had prayer. And they sought God fervently. And church, listen, we have got to learn to seek after God fervently, earnestly, constantly. We're blessed to have the things that we have as a church. We're blessed to have the freedoms that we have as a church, but we're not guaranteed that we'll have those freedoms forever. And we've got to learn now how to be constant in God's presence, how to stay in His presence, how to, how to keep on praying when nothing is making sense around us. Number one, stay in God's presence. Keep on praying. Number two, stay in God's peace. Keep on trusting. Keep on trusting, even when it doesn't make sense to trust God, even when it seems like God is a million miles away, we just decide I'm gonna stay in God's peace. Look at what happens next, verse six. It says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was, he was what? He was what? My man is asleep. Some of you, you have that gift. Some of you have the gift that you can sleep through anything, right? I don't have that. Man, if this is me, I would be pleading my case with all 16 of those guards around me, right? I gotta be like, somebody's gotta hear me. Somebody's gotta believe me, right? Like, I would be whining. I would be complaining. I, I would not be sleeping. Peter is sleeping. Peter's sleeping. In, a few, in another verse or so, we're going to see not only is he sleeping, my man is sound asleep. On the eve of his trial, what is Peter doing? He's, he's sleeping. See, Peter knew something. Peter knew that Jesus, who was crucified and risen and ascended and exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father, Peter knew that through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus was mysteriously, we don't even know how to explain it, that Jesus was in him and with him through the Spirit of God in what he was walking through and going through. And when the Spirit of God is inside of you, the Bible says in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. And one of the fruit that he produces in our lives, he produces love and he produces joy, but he also produces what? Peace. Peace. I don't know what you're going through right now. There's somebody in this room that you need to hear this. Stay in God's peace. Don't stop trusting in God. I know, I, I, I can't, I hate it when people say, I know what you're going through. Nobody knows what another person is going through. Even if you've experienced grief, you don't know the grief of the person that's experiencing grief. So I'm not going to say that I know what you're going through. But I will say Christ knows what you're going through. He sees you. He's with you. He loves you. Stay in his peace. Don't stop trusting in him. When my kids were smaller, you know, when they would get afraid, a storm would come through, lightning, thunder, or maybe something bad would happen at school, or a friend would say something, I always treasured, you know, they're too old now, they don't want their old man to come in and do this anymore, but I would come into their bedroom at night, I would always pray with them before they went to sleep. And one of the things when they, you know, I would ask, you know, how's it going, and you know, how are things in your soul, how are things in your heart, like how are you feeling, and when they would express that fear, we had a mantra. And the mantra was, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. 
We say that over, I say, repeat it after me. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. They repeat it, I say, okay, let's say it louder. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. And what, what are we doing? We're reaffirming, God is with me. I can have peace, no matter what is happening, I can have peace, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Hey, I wanna encourage you, stay in God's presence. Don't stop praying. Stay in God's peace. Don't stop trusting. And here's the third one. Stay in God's power. And since we're Journey Church, I got to say it. Don't stop believing. <laughs> Come on, right? Some of you are too young to get that reference. Some of you will get it in another hour or so, right? Journey Church. Just don't stop believing. Stay in God's power. God has power. And church, sometimes I think we've lost the, the faith to believe that God is the same today that he was 2,000 years ago. One of the theological beliefs that we have regarding God is that he is, and this is a big theological word, the word is immutable. It means God doesn't change. He can't get better. He can't improve. He's not going to get worse. God is the same. He doesn't change. And so listen, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead it's available for you and I as believers. But we've got to stay in his power. Don't stop believing. You say, well, what, did, what does God have power to do? We're going to see in the story, God has power to do several things. First of all, God has the power to wake people up. Look at, look at what it says. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. Now, as a dad, I, I think I kind of know how this went down. I think Peter is so sound asleep. I think the angel first is like, Psst, wake up. Denny, wake up. Denny! Denny! Right? He's trying, I don't know, he kicks him, strikes him, punches him. It says he strikes him there. Like, get up. So many people are asleep spiritually. There are people in this room right now, you're asleep spiritually. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? You're not aware spiritually of what's really going on around you. You're going through the motions. You know how to say the right things. You know how to amen at the right times. You know the songs. You know how to, but, but you're asleep spiritually. Listen, God still has the power to wake people up. Maybe you got someone in your life, someone that you love who is asleep they know all the right things. You raised them the right way. You have a son, you have a daughter, and, 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 and they've now, you know, at Christmas time, you know, a time of love and joy, they decided to tell the family that they don't believe in God anymore. You go, man, what is up? Listen, God still has the power to wake people up. He still has the power to wake people up. Stay in God's power. Don't stop believing. He has the power to wake people up. Secondly, God has the power to break chains. Look at this. I love, it's just a simple statement at the end of verse 7. It says, I quote, and the chains fell off his wrists. The angel wakes him up, strikes him, get up. And then the next thing you know is the chains, they've just fallen supernaturally. Chains don't just fall off someone's wrists. It's a supernatural event. Can I tell you, God still has power to break chains. It's not just a song that we sing. It's the truth. There's people in this room that you're enchained. There's an addiction that you just can't shake. There's just these thoughts that are destructive. And it's like they're on autoplay, like you can't turn them off. There's 
destructive habits or hurts in your life, or maybe it's fears or it's depression, or maybe it's just things that happen to you by other people and you carry around this oppression. You carry around these hurts. And, and it really, they really are chains to you. And I want you to know that this isn't just something we say to get people to say amen. God has the power to break those things. I've seen it. People in this room have seen it. And sometimes it's sudden, it's a suddenly, and sometimes it's a journey. But it's God's power nonetheless. And I'm believing today that there's going to be someone in this room who's just going to decide, you know what, I, I'm going to stay in God's power. I'm just going to decide to keep believing. I'm going to, I'm going to keep believing in God's power. Look at the next one. God has a power to specifically direct. He has a power to specifically direct. Look at this. I love this. This is why we don't know if this angel was a, a man or a woman. I actually wonder if this angel was a woman because look at what happens next. It says, then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, and he did. It goes on. Now, put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Look, I, you know what? I love how specific this angel is. Come on, put on your shirt, put on your shoes, get your coat on. Come on, let's go. Sometimes, sometimes we think that, that, that the supernatural is going to be just this poof. Sometimes it's just ordinary things that God tells you to do. You look at it, you go, what's the big deal about that? Often what God is calling followers of Jesus to do are things that just seem ordinary. Sometimes they're so ordinary that we go, well, that's, that's beneath me. I don't need to do that. And God's saying, that's how I'm going to show my power. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. I love the practicality of this. I, I was reading in a commentary, Rick Warren says this. Rick Warren says, these were certainly ordinary tasks to do while miracles taking place, right? I mean, God's performing a miracle, and here the angel is like, put on your, put on your shirt, put on your shoes, put on your coat, right? And Rick Warren says this, he says, God alone can do the extraordinary, here it is, but his people must do the ordinary. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're letting on, right? <laughs> Come on. Like sometimes it's, it, you just, just do what God has put in front of you to do. God, I want to know your will. And God's like, my will is that you would make your bed. No, I want to know your will. I've shown you my will. He goes on, he says this. He says, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but the men had to roll the stone from the tomb. The same angel that removed the chains from Peter's hands could have put the shoes on Peter's feet, but he told Peter to do it. Sometimes part of the chains coming off are going to be God telling you to do something that you don't even think is that big of a deal. And God's going to say, I'll take you to the next step once you submit to me in this step. God has the power for us. God has the power to open doors. God still has power to open doors. Look at this. It says, they, the angel and Peter, passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And look at this. And this door opened for them all by itself. That's what our God can do. He can open doors. There's nothing that is too hard. There's no resistance. There's no obstacle that is too difficult for God. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. 
God opens the doors. They didn't have to go to Ace Hardware and get a crowbar. God did it. Now listen, this is messy. This is messy because God does all these things. God has the power to do all these things. We, we look at this and we have faith to believe that God can do all these things, but sometimes, sometimes he doesn't do it the way we expect him to do it. You see, way back in verse 2, James still died. I don't understand this. I don't understand how James dies, but Peter gets rescued and delivered. I don't have an easy answer for that. I don't get it. All I know is that we just got to stay in God's presence and keep on praying. All I know is we got we to stay in God's peace. We got to keep on trusting. All I know is we got to stay in God's power and keep on believing. And it's up to him. It's up to him. But we do have the promise. I mean, Peter did have the promise that the worst thing that's going to happen, worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to get executed the next day, and he's going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, it's a win-win for him, right? So I'm going to ask you today, like, what do you, what do you, what do you need God to do for you today? What is the breakthrough that you're believing God for today? What do you, what do you need to believe him for? Maybe it's, maybe it's to wake you up. Maybe you are in this room and you are spiritually asleep and you know it, like there is something stirring inside of you, even today, even in this moment, even while we were singing, even when you were walking in this room, even this morning before you came to church, there was something stirring and you know God wants to wake you up. Maybe you have a family member and you know God is saying, God is putting the faith inside of you to believe that God is going to wake them up. Maybe you need God to break some chains in your life. Maybe you need God to give you direction, and you've been in a fog, and you're just like, God, I need to know what you want me to do. Thank you for your word. But you know, sometimes, sometimes we need a clear, specific direction that isn't in the word of God. The word of God doesn't tell us what job to take when there's several options available. The word of God doesn't tell us what college to go to. So sometimes we just say, God, would you specifically direct me? Some of you in this room need an open door. You need a door that just seems like it's been closed. And you need God to open it for you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I was praying last night. I was down in our basement. And I just believe God said so clearly to me, I'm going to break some chains. Ken, do you believe me? I'm going to break some chains. Listen, this, I don't do it. I don't have the power to do it. Carrie doesn't have the power to do it. Our pastors don't have the power to do it. Nobody in this room has the power to do it, but God has the power to break some chains. He wants to do something in this room. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. This is a really serious moment, so I'm just gonna ask for as few distractions as possible in this moment. If you gotta go to the bathroom, just hold it for another five minutes. We got a carpet cleaner. We can help you out later if things go south. Listen, you're here this morning and you need God to wake you up spiritually. You need God to wake you up spiritually. Maybe, maybe you know, as soon as I said that earlier, you know that this is for somebody that you love and you need to stand in their place. I'm going to ask you right now, if you need God to wake you up spiritually, I need you right now to stand to your feet right now, all over this room. If that's you, don't wait for somebody else with your eyes closed, heads bowed. Nobody needs to be nosy Nancy. You don't need to be looking around. Some of you are already doing it, so keep your eyes closed. If you're standing, I guess you can look around, but <laughs> some of you are like, Ooh, who's standing? If that's you, keep standing. But I want to ask now, maybe, maybe you need some chains broken in your life. 
Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's these thoughts, these thought patterns. Maybe there's hurts. Maybe there's habits. Maybe there's fears. Maybe there's depression. Maybe there's something that just has you bound, that has you chained. If that's you, stand your feet right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Somebody in this room, you need God to specifically direct you. Like you, you just don't know what to do. You don't know, you don't know how to move forward. You don't, you, you, you're just kind of paralyzed right now. You don't know, you just need God to specifically direct you. Listen, God has the power to do that, right? Would you stand your feet if that's you? Join these who are already standing. You need God to specifically, there's something going on. Maybe there's something at work. There's something in your life you need specific direction. Go ahead, just stand your feet. Maybe, maybe you're here and you need God to open a door for you. You've been pushing, you've been nagging, you've been trying to get this thing open by yourself and you're just going, you know what, I'm gonna stop trying, I'm just gonna let God do his work. You need God to open some doors in your life. You need to believe that he has the power to open some doors. Would you stand to your feet? Maybe you know you were supposed to stand for one of the other ones and you didn't stand. I'm going to give you just a catch-up time. You can stand to your feet too. If there was one, you're like, I'm not standing. I don't want to be the only one. I'll just let you in on a secret. There's a lot of people standing right now, so you won't be the only one. You don't have to fear that. You don't have to fear what people are going to think or how they're going to judge you. We don't do that here. And if someone is judging you right now, then that's their deal. So in the first service, we had everyone who was standing come forward. I don't think we have the space or the room to do that. So here's what I want to have happen. Now, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you love Jesus, and, 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 and you ha you've had your eyes closed this whole time, would you just open your eyes right now? And I just, I just need some believers to come around. We're not going to be able to get to everybody, so please don't walk out of here offended if somebody doesn't pray for you. But I need some Christians. I need some believers. I need some leaders, ministry leaders, prayer partners. If you would, you're going to have to walk maybe even across the room. But I, I just want to lay some hands on some shoulders of some people. Maybe you can get in front of them and just lay a hand on some someone's forehead, you can go ahead and move and do that right now, right now, any of our ministry leaders, any of our volunteers, our prayer partners. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. We're going to turn this place into a house of prayer. Can we do that? We're gonna, we're, well, I'm, well, I'm not asking you, I guess. We're going to do that. And, and don't let this weird you out. This is what Christianity is. This is what you see in the book of Acts. This church is not a building. Church is one another. It's the people. So we just want to pray and believe for God to break some chains. In fact, I want you to pray with boldness this morning, a boldness that is beyond yourself. And we're boldly asking God to intervene. We're boldly believing in God's power. We're going to stay in God's power. We're going to keep believing Him, right? Come on, church, let's pray. Everybody, lift your voices. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Maybe there's someone near you that you think should have stood and they're not standing. Just say, hey, can I pray for you right now? We can pray one for another, right? Lord, we are believing you for breakthrough. We are believing you for breakthrough. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we cling to you. We put our trust in you, Jesus. We choose to stay in your presence. God, we choose to stay in your peace. We choose to stay, oh God. We want to stay in you, Jesus. God, I pray for open doors. I pray for, for eyes to be opened. I pray for, for people to be awakened spiritually, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray for specific direction, oh God. I pray for open doors in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, God, we are believing you. We're believing you. We're believing you. You are our healer. 
God, you are our source, you are our provider, you are our protector. God, we fix our eyes on you. We let go, we give up, we give it to you, God. You are our higher power, oh God. You are our source. We look to you. You are our only hope. We put our trust in you. We believe in you, oh God. We call upon you, oh God, that you would do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine for your glory, for your glory, oh God. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Breakthrough, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, as you're praying, I just want to challenge you with this thought. Here's the thought I want to challenge you with. God opens every door that we cannot open, but there is one door that he asks us to open to him. And that is the door of our hearts, the door of our lives. I just want to speak over someone in, you, in this room. Maybe you stood up when we said that you need to be awakened spiritually. Listen, if, you, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never received his forgiveness, you've never received his grace, listen, it's not complicated. You don't have to become a member of a church. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to do a bunch of things. You don't have to get your mess together. Here's, here's what God asks you to do. Just open the door of your heart to Him. Just open the door of your heart to Him. Let Him in. Just say, it, sometimes it's, it doesn't sound very spiritual, but sometimes it's just saying, I give up. Like, I give up. God, take over. Take over. Lead me. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your life. I need your grace. And so I'm going to challenge you as you're being seated this morning, if that's you and, 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 and you need him, I, I think some of you even stood for that a few moments ago. I'm not going to ask you to stand all over again. But we're going to have some prayer partners up here at the end as you're being dismissed. And if that's you, I'd invite you to come up when everybody else is leaving. I'd invite you to come up and just say, hey, I want to open the door of my heart to Jesus today. I need Jesus to come into my life. We have a free resource that we want to give you. Most importantly, we want to pray over you and believe for God to do just incredible things in your life. And, uh, and on your connection card, there's a place at the very bottom. It says, my next step. And if you're starting a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you just to check that box. Or maybe you're reaffirming a relationship. Maybe in the past you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've just kind of walked away. He hasn't walked away from you, by the way. But you've walked away from him and you've kind of taken life on your own and God is saying, hey, if you'll open the door, I'll take over the reins of your life. If you open the door, I'll lead you. I'll be your God. And so if that's you and, and you want to let us know so we can pray for you and so we can encourage you, uh, you can check one of those boxes again. At the end of the service, there's going to be some people at the back doors with buckets and you can stick these cards in those buckets when you leave. Pastor Aaron's going to come and he's going to lead us out this morning. Thanks so much, Pastor Ken. Uh, as Pastor Ken said earlier, that you're talking about uh, texting friends and stuff like that. Um, that. That's actually been a huge thing that's brought a lot of value to me in my relationship with Jesus. Uh, I've got a, an ongoing text thread with four other friends. Uh, we all started out in ministry. Not all of us still are. Uh, but about 13 years ago, we started a group text thread. 
and, and it's been just kind of going through doing life. Uh, there's been uh, between the five of our families, I think there's been a little more than half a dozen miscarriages. Uh, there's been divorce, there's remarriage, there's loss of fam other loss of family members. I mean, the whole gambit. And, and to be able to know that uh, these guys have my back has been invaluable to me. And those are the guys that when the stuff hits the fan, I'm texting uh, and just being like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to make this better. I don't know what to do. I, you know, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to be a good dad in this moment. I don't know how to be a good husband in this moment. I don't feel like I'm, my relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be in this moment. And those guys have always had me back. So uh, I think that that's a, a huge thing.